This is 101 Profiles with Humanistic, a series that goes behind the scenes and allows you to meet the humans behind the humanistic organization. Here you'll discover who we are, what we stand for, and how we came to join Humanistic. For our next profile, we'll be interviewing the President and Marketing Director of Humanistic, Mr. Sean Moore. Hi, Sean. How are you doing today? Pretty good, Christina. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. Nice. Um, so I was wondering, how did you first hear about Humanistic and what made you want to become a part of the organization? Well, it's kind of a long story. And so what I'm going to do is I will give you the short, sweet version. Hopefully it'll still resonate and make sense. Uh, essentially, okay. the story for me started uh, with the George Floyd murders. Uh, and of course, we all know this happened last year. And at the time, yeah. I was working at a different company than I'm working at now. And it was kind of a frustrating time for me because we had the pandemic and we had the George Floyd murders. We had the protests. And all this stuff sort of bubbled on the sur underneath the surface for me. And so when this all hit, I felt a lot of anger and frustration in my life because particularly with what was going on with people of color and especially African-Americans, this sort of resonated with me throughout my, my childhood. And for those who don't know, I am indeed African-American. So when I saw that, I felt quite powerless in all aspects of my life. And that just sort of exacerbated the situation for me. And then later on, I would say about maybe in the summer of 2020, I got a phone call from a good friend of mine whom I've known for years. Her name is Mariana, and she is actually a part of Humanistic as well. It, it was interesting because I hadn't heard from Mariana in a while. And I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, Mariana wants to talk to school. And she asked me a very simple question. She goes, and I will never forget this, hey, Sean, would you be willing to help in a Black Lives Matter movement organization? Now, in the past, and kind of ashamed of this, but in the past, whenever I got requests like this or opportunities like this, I would not take the opportunity because I was always busy or I had something else I need to do. I need to work or I need to get projects done or I'm sorry, I need to spend time with my family. I just you know, I want to help the world, but I'm busy. But when she asked me that question, I immediately said, yes, what can I do? So what was different this time? I was in a place where I finally had to look in the mirror and tell myself, dude, you're always frustrated by stuff going on with black people. You're always frustrated with work. Um, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. And people that I've known or people that I was acquainted with, I saw a lot of stuff in social media. And not all of it was good. And you might be able to relate to this, but you realize that certain people that you've known or been friends with or been acquaintances with, all of a sudden, in my mind, they changed. Now, they actually didn't change. I just believe that their true colors came out. And this yeah. disappointed me. This, this broke my heart. You know, there are some good friends where I read the post, they're angry, but they're angry about things that I feel like they should be angry about. 
They don't yeah. understand why black people are upset or they make certain comments, which I, I didn't realize was in their hearts. I didn't realize this was their thinking. And so I guess to sum it all up, the proverbial shit hit the fan all at once. Everything hit me. And I was at a point where I told myself, okay, you need to do something and there are no more excuses. So that's why I said yes, because Mariana got me at the right time. No more excuses. I asked the universe, I'm not sure where your religion lies. I'm not particularly religious myself, but I am very spiritual. I inadvertently asked the universe, what can I do because I'm tired of this? And the universe answered. And so I recognized the answer. And that's why I joined Humanistic. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, I decided instead of using my skills, because I used to work in the entertainment industry, instead of using yeah. my skills to make people laugh like a clown, I've decided to use my skills to lift people up. Yeah, I like how that sounds. So what have you learned since joining Humanistic? And have you learned anything about yourself? And have you learned anything about other people? Yeah, uh, I've learned some good stuff. and I learned some bad stuff. The good stuff is I've learned that I'm passionate again, but now it's, it's a different subject. Whereas before, I was just sort of going through the motions with work. Two, bad, I learned that I'm very angry. <laughs> I didn't realize how angry I actually was, or still am actually, uh, yeah. with the stuff that I'm learning about police brutality and racism and all aspects of life and how uh, racism is ingrained in the very fabric of our society. It just realized that, oh, the stuff that I've been feeling over for years, anxiety, the frustration, that's all anger because on a deeper level, I understand that we have massive problems that are now coming to the surface. And it's uncomfortable to learn that stuff about yourself, that you have deep-seated feelings that you never really talked about. See, for me, you know, especially growing up, I was taught, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but I was taught that, okay, you have to be strong, you have to succeed, you're going to have to fit in you're going to have to take it. You, know, you don't have to be overwhelmed by it. You don't have to be dominated by it, but you're going to have to take it. So some stuff you just let go. You walk down the street, little old lady, white lady, clutches her handbag and crosses the street. Or You learn to let that go. You learn to just ignore that. You don't take that. You don't acknowledge that wound. And for me, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of, of that. It's like, okay, well, you know, she's probably afraid because I'm black. I'll just let that go. No worries. Oh, oh, that dude made a comment about my intelligence. Okay, he probably assumes some stereotype because I'm black. I'll let that go because I'm me. And then 2020 hits, George Floyd hits, I get the invitation for humanistic and realize, oh crap, everything that I thought I suppressed, I didn't. I'm angry. <laughs> it pisses me off. I mean, I would think that um, that that those kind of actions, it's kind of hard to ignore them. I mean, at least for me, I, I, I kind of went through a similar thing where I internalized things and I tried not to think about them. And then as soon as George Floyd happened, like it all came to the surface, you know? And I wonder yeah. if that's kind of what happened to you too. It's just like, you, you just kind of press it down and ignore it. And then, you know, one day it just comes out. You nailed it. I repressed everything. I pushed it down. I ignored it because I'm trying to be a good man making my way in society. And I didn't want to rock the boat. And I didn't realize that by pushing this down and ignoring it, how I was building this rage monster within my soul yeah. <laughs> until George Floyd came out. And everything that bugged me just sort of came spewing out <laughs> like lava. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you know, you mentioned that you buried stuff deep down yourself. Did it all come to the surface for you? 
in 2020 with the pandemic and George Floyd. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's why when you said said that and the same thing with Hazana, like it, it kind of seems like something really hit home when George Floyd was killed. Like it just, it just brought out a lot. Um, and I'll probably like talk more about it when we get to my profile. Um, but I noticed in Hazana's podcast, you were speaking about like not being black enough and being kind of like rejected by your own community. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about your experiences? Absolutely. So um, growing up, you know, I just want to say I want to give a shout out to my mother who has long left this world, but she was the strongest woman I've ever known. And she, her experiences are profound because she was a black woman who essentially was a child who had to get through the 60s and the 70s. And so when she raised me and later on my sister, her thinking always was, okay, I have to make sure my children succeed. I have to make sure my children get through. They must be educated. They must be smart. They must be strong. So growing up, you know, I read a lot of books. I watched a lot of television, a lot of movies. I learned a lot of like history. And me, and this might sound odd, but I'm a dark-skinned man. And I remember growing up being a dark-skinned man and a kid and sounding the way I sound right now. A lot of kids I grew up with found that odd, especially where I grew up in. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you might've heard the term before. It's like, you sound white. And growing up, that made me feel bad. Because I'm thinking, oh, am I not supposed to sound like this? How am I supposed to sound? Am I not black enough? I always felt like I wasn't black enough. But then, of course, you get around white people, and clearly, you're not, you know, I'm not white. (laughs) So depending on the crowd, I would get it from there, too. It's like, oh, well, who are you? You know, where are you from? You're from the hood, whatnot. So I got it from both sides. And just, yeah. And it's one of those things that simultaneously confused me. And made me more determined to show everyone, hey, I'm stronger than all of you. And so, again, my mother, you know, she wanted me educated. She wanted me to essentially succeed out in the world. And she understood clearly that it was a world dominated by white people. And she never wanted me to feel like I was inferior to anyone. But, of course, you know, when you're dealing with day-to-day people or even dating, sometimes dating was... Interesting because, you know, see a sister in the hood and she's cute and all, and she might clown me because I sound like, I sound like this. Why do you sound like this? Hmm. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And again, it, 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 I had to learn. When I got old enough, I realized, because I would take that seriously, but when I got old enough, I realized all that was ridiculous. And there are plenty of people who sound like me, and this is not, quote, unquote, white or black. And anyone who said stuff like that were ignorant. And after I learned that, and I pretty much learned that around high school, college, once I empowered myself with that knowledge, it never bothered me again. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like all things of ignorance. Once you are enlightened about what you're ignorant about, you know, you're no longer afraid of it. You're no longer intimidated by it. You're no longer challenged by it. And you realize that you're not the problem. They're the problem. They've always been the problem. My problem was that I allowed that to hurt me. So why do you think that is that that people in the black community would reject you for not being quote unquote black enough when you're obviously you're you're black? Well, I, I think it depends on where you grew up, how you grew up, and honestly, it's as a race, we have deep psychological scars as a race. 
Because think about it. In the 15th, 17th century, a lot of our ancestors were captured and told that, okay, you are nothing more than animals to be bought and sold. And then you're chained. And then you're taught to be obedient. Your names are stripped away from you. You are named by a dominant race. And then you go through this experience for the next 300 years. And all of a sudden, you're free. Yeah. <laughs> you and you're free, right? So you're told, yeah. you're expected, okay, all right, you're your own man, you're your own people, now be protective in society, except society still has to accept you as a human being. Now, as being that person who has been dominated for so long, even though you learn how to be independent, you learn how to be strong, you learn how to do your own, in the back of your mind, there's always something nagging at you going, oh, well... They're in charge, so clearly they're better than I am. But you try to mitigate that because it's a painful revelation. You try to mitigate that by mocking what you think is inferior in yourself. And by yourself, I'm talking about the collective we as a race, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, you were taught, you know, my ancestor, my, my cousins, my my family, you know, the majority of my family is from Mississippi, like the Deep South. And racism mm -hmm. was heavy in the Deep South. And in the Deep South, you learn that if you're closer to white, then you're closer to being accepted. And then there are some people who are not closer to white that become jealous of that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, whenever you feel like you're oppressed or inferior, you lash out. Typically at people who are easy to lash out at, i.e. people you love. Yeah. So you see the the proper sounding black person or the high yellow, you've heard that term too, black person. You go, oh, oh, you're not really us. You don't understand the struggle. A lot of that is the assumption that you have an easier life simply because you're closer to the race that dominated us for hundreds of years. That's where that comes from. A lot of people that I know, even though they know better, deep down, those remnants are there. You know, even me, deep down, those remnants are there. You know, yeah. growing up as a kid, I read a lot of comic books and watched a lot of TV, and there weren't people who looked like me on TV or in comic books. So automatically, you think that, okay, those heroes are better. Clearly, yeah. if I want to be this hero, I have to be white. It took me a long time to figure out, no, that's not the case. But that programming is deep. It's almost in our DNA. So I think that's why people do that. It's a lot of self-hatred. Because yeah. we're taught that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never really thought about that before. It, you know, it's interesting. A, a friend of mine, and he's a white guy, and he's very, he feels very open. He, we were talking about race one day, right? And we're very frank with each other, and, you know, we feel free to speak to each other. And he goes, he told me one day, you know what I've observed about some black people? I'm like, go ahead. What did you observe? Uh -oh. <laughs> bracing, my, bracing myself, right? Yeah. He tells me the story of an elevator. He got into an elevator, and this older African-American gentleman got in the elevator with him, right? Uh -huh. And he noticed that the guy he walked in, he bowed his head, and kind of kept to himself. And I'm like, okay, so what's the significance of that? He goes, I bet you when he saw me, he probably thought, oh, this is an important white dude, clearly more important than I. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you might have a valid point. His point being that a lot of times we put, as a race, restrictions on ourselves. 
without even knowing it because we've been programmed for so long to do so. Yeah. I mean, I kind of took that as maybe he didn't want to be seen as a threat and he was trying to seem more like self-servient than, you know, that's possible too. I mean, I've done that before, you know, when I walk down the street or go into a building and yeah, I, you know, there was a joke. I can't remember what TV show it was. I think it was Blackish, right? But there was an episode where the main character was in the elevator and a little white girl got in the elevator with them and he was terrified. And so they're asking, why, why are you scared of a little white girl? That's the point. Do you know how many people are thinking what I'm going to do to that girl? Yeah. And I thought about that. It's like, I've done the same. I've made myself less threatening because I'm thinking that, oh, if a white person sees me, they're going to be scared. And I hate that. Again, it's one of those things that made me angry. Yeah. No, I totally get that. It's it's like, why should you have to adjust who you are, what you're doing, because you exist, you know? And it's also for safety as well. I mean, if yeah. I decide to wear my favorite hoodie at night down the street, I might be shot and killed. Yeah. Because I look like a quote unquote threat because I'm wearing a yeah. hoodie, you know. So a lot of times I purposely don't wear hoodies, yeah. and I hate that. So with me, there's a lot of pent up stuff that I'm trying to work through. And I think part a lot of the reason why I'm working with humanistic is because I want to bring that to light and try to eradicate that because it's sad. Well, I think being a part of humanistic is a good way to get out some of uh, that angry energy and turning it into something positive. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's already helped. I mean, I think, you know, the education that we, we find and spread out and talk about really, it, it helps for me. Part of it is therapy. This is therapy for me personally speaking. Yes, we're helping people, but for me speaking and working on this stuff, I'm learning a lot of stuff. I'm getting a lot of stuff out. I'm trying to reconcile. Okay. You know what? This is the way it started, but it doesn't have to end this way. It doesn't. It can be different. And now that I'm acutely aware of it and acutely aware of myself, I'm in a better position to make change. And that's what I really need to do. That's all the questions I had. I did want to mention your experience on on the humanistic website currently mm-hmm. up now. I thought it was really heart wrenching to read. Like that's, and I, I'm guessing that's like one of your first experiences with like the police and racism and stuff like that. Oh and yeah. I, I, I mean, have you had any other like police encounters? Oh yeah. Y'all listening, go check out the website. The story's up there. It's an interesting story, but yes, I've had that's other really encounters. Good. Uh, one of my favorite, and I'm being completely sarcastic about this, <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> encounters is um, one day I was in Florida and I was driving back because I have a friend who lives in Orlando, right? And uh, he he was gracious enough to lend me his BMW convertible. Now, at the time, I had this plan to explore all 50 states. And since I was down in Florida, I figured, okay, I'll get the majority of the South. Even though my family's from the South, there are still a couple of states in the South that I've never been to. So I figured, okay, I have a couple of days. I'm just going to take a drive. Um, and then I'll come back to Orlando and meet up with my friend while using his car. Now, picture the scene. Black man in a convertible BMW that is not his, driving the streets of Alabama. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Yeah, and that me, doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. And me being me, I'm like, eh, 
I, I'm not, I never thought twice about it. It's like, okay, Alabama, never been here. It's cool, right? I'm driving. Nice car. As I'm driving, I noticed that there was a police car that was following me. And I'm like, okay. And then it kept following me for several miles. And then it dawned on me, oh, God, I'm in the deep south. I'm in a BMW that's not mine. The cop is white and I'm black. What the hell was I thinking? This yeah. guy followed me for miles. At one point, I slowed down because I was hoping he'd go past me. He slowed down too. I sped of up. Of course he, he sped up too. Yeah. And he was just following me the entire time to the point where I'm thinking, okay, dude, you're going you're gonna to pull me over or what? You know, what? What are you doing? And he followed me for about, I would say, a good 15 minutes. That's nuts. And then he decides to pull over and he pulls up next to me and he looks at me and it's clear that he ran my plates and everything. He probably knew oh, it yeah, wasn't my course. car. Yeah. And he looks at me and he starts laughing and then he takes off. Oh my God. That's horrible. And I decided I turned the car around and immediately left Alabama, drove back to Florida. <laughs> wow. That's pretty yeah. intense. Oh, yeah. You know, every fear that I've had about the South, every, you know, cliche about, you know, cops pulling you over for speeding just popped into my head and I was terrified. Yeah. You know, he could have pulled me over. He could have pulled a gun and shot me. But yeah. he just wanted to remind me that who was in control. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to intimidate yeah. me and he succeeded. And again, it's yeah. one of those things that I push down and it makes me angry. He mm -hmm. wanted to intimidate me. And sadly enough, I had other police encounters, but you know, I think this one will suffice for now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's insane. I'm sorry you had to go through that and all the others. That's part, and this might sound awful and negative, but that's part of the package of being black in America. You're going to have to deal with stuff like this. You're going to have to deal with police who may not like black people. You're going to have to deal with people who are afraid of black people. You're going to deal with people who mean well, but they make stupid comments because they don't know any better. That's part of the package deal. Yeah. That's something that you have to reconcile because it's been here long before we are born. And there's a good chance that it'll be here long after we're gone. And this is exactly what I want to fight with humanistic. Hopefully we can fight it and make a better future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, I think, you know, not to make it all sound dire and dark and, you know, racist, you know, there are plenty of opportunities and people who are not black who want to help, who recognize this and who are doing the best they can for everyone. And I recognize those people too. Yeah. And I want to work with those people. I really do. Uh, because life is more than our color. It should be. All right, Sean. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for, so much for taking the time to talk to me. I did too, Christina. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was very valuable. And I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much.